Uh, for those of you who don't know, Evanston's in a uh, suburb of Chicago, and uh, that's where I live. And uh, you, you, my wife and I watch the BBC News every night. And we, we, uh, we have studied Brexit thoroughly. <laughs> because it makes us feel so much better. <laughs> I've often offered to trade governments with the Brits, but they always say no. So there we are. Uh, our church is a multicultural, multiracial church, so it's, it's quite exciting and, and fun. Uh, we have people from 55 different nations of the world. And uh, they, a uh, significant number of them talk back at me at the sermon. So, you know, a nod or something would help me a little bit. You know, I'm not expecting too much. I'm not expecting genuine talk back. But, you know, just, you know, something a little something to kind of encourage me along. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> there we go. So, January 1985, almost 35 years ago, my life took a turn in a completely different direction. It's just one of those moments where there was before and there's after and after things were never the same again. What happened was I had gone to this small meeting for pastors or no more than 50 people in the room and there was this guy named John Wimber who you'll know is the founder of the venue who was speaking. I'd never heard him before and he gave a, a rather simple talk about how as pastors we needed to be servant leaders which I didn't really appreciate much at the time, but I've grown to see like, like oh, that was really important. <laughs> um, but at the end, it was what happened at the end that really changed my life. Now, you have to understand kind of going into this, like I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. My grandfather was a pastor. When I was 15, I said, I will never be a pastor. And you can see how that worked out. Um, <laughs> So I've been in church, and I'd been in church enough to be a little bit skeptical. Like, I loved Jesus, but I, I knew that, like, sometimes church people don't tell things exactly the way they are. They dress it up a little bit. So I, had, I was coming into this meeting with a little bit of that attitude, like, we'll see if this is any good. And so he gives his talk, and he gets at the end, and he says, well, I think the Holy Spirit wants to do something today. So let's all just stand and just relax. You can open your eyes or close your eyes. It doesn't matter. And so I thought, well, I'm going to open my eyes. I want to see what happens here. And, you know, you're not going to, like, blindside me. I'm going to be on the lookout. <laughs> and then... To my great surprise, there's no music, there's no like sob story, there's no, nothing emotional is happening. He just says, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. And then we're standing there, and we're standing there, and we're standing there. And when you're standing in a group, 
15 seconds is an eternity. 60 seconds is really a long time. And we're standing there, and I start thinking, like, I knew it. The Holy Spirit's busy somewhere else today. <laughs> and about that time, he points to this guy on the front row, and he says, look, the Holy Spirit's coming on this guy. And I thought, what kind of glasses does he have? What exactly am I supposed to be seeing? Like, doves coming down out of the ceiling? Uh, Lights? Uh, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And then he kind of goes up to the guy and he puts like two fingers on the guy's forehead and the guy starts sobbing. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> then the guy's wife next to him, she starts sobbing. And I think, well, that figure, she's probably been waiting for him to break down for 15 years. <laughs> so then... It kind of gets all quiet again, and we're like standing again, just like, well, is that it? And uh, there's this woman over here in the row behind me, just so she's just in my peripheral vision. Can I get a little less echo? It's echoing. Yeah, thank you. Um, so. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm holding it wrong. Am I doing it wrong? Yeah, I must be doing it wrong. Oh, yeah, it is working, I think. There we go. All right. Back on here. So I'm, I, as this, I'm, we're waiting again, and, and there's this woman who's, like, you know, right behind me, just in my peripheral vision, and she starts doing this. And I thought, where are the ushers? <laughs> she is weird. Where'd they get her? I knew it. California, land of fruits and nuts. You know, it's sort of like every judgmental thing you can imagine, that's what's going through my mind. Like, they need to, she needs help. <laughs> it, that's where I, I'm, I'm completely kind of just like, that is weird. This is crazy. And just at that moment, he says from the front, now receive the Holy Spirit. And when he did, it was like a fist hit me in the chest, right in the middle, just boom. And I almost fell over my chair. And time kind of slowed down for me just then. And I had a whole series of thoughts all at once. My first thought was, I must regain control of my body as quickly as possible, lest I end up like Lady Shaker Hands over here. That was my first concern. Like, I, I need to get control of this thing again because I don't want to look like her. Then my second thought was, since when does God hit people? And then I remembered some verses from the Bible and realized, oh yeah, he does do that. And then I thought, wait, hold on, hold on, like, this is real. Like, this is, like, really real. Like, this is not, like, 
some theoretical thing you read about in a theology book, you know, which is kind of, you know, the way I thought about the Holy Spirit, like, you know, so a little bit theoretical, you know, like maybe like a concept in calculus, which I never understood calculus either. And, uh, or, and, or maybe I thought the Holy Spirit was kind of more like when people get emotional when they called it the Holy Spirit. But like this was not emotional at all. Like the only emotion going on at that moment was me judging her. <laughs> So I figured, that's definitely not it. So like, this is not emotional. This is not, the, this is like real. This is like force. This is like, this almost knocked me over my chair. Like, this is really real. And in that moment, I realized that somewhere inside, I didn't actually believe that the Holy Spirit was real. If you'd asked me five minutes before, I would have said, yeah, of course I believe the Holy Spirit's real. But I didn't really until something really happened. And all of a sudden, it had a new reality. It's sort of like, maybe it's just kind of that thing, like nothing's real to you until it happens to you. <laughs> and this was like real on a whole new place. And I started to repent of my unbelief. And the minute that happened, my whole body went pens and needles. I couldn't speak. I couldn't move. I found myself being laid out across the chairs by my friends, saying, what are we going to do with him now? <laughs> and, and knife has never been the same since. And uh, it's never been boring. Like, it's been an unbelievable wild ride. It's just like things happening one after another that shouldn't have happened, that I never looked to have happened, that I never imagined would happen, and all very real. So I want to just talk a little bit about when the Holy Spirit gets real, what does it look like? So Acts chapter 2 is... A good beginning. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. Are they going to put it on the screen? Is it coming up on the screen? It is coming. Just start and then it'll come. Sort of like step in the water and then it'll part. There we go. Okay. going to have to read off the screen because the light isn't strong enough for me to read off the book. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. There's another part, right? 
There's one more part I'm looking for. Oh, there we go. All right. Utterly amazed, they ask, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Uh, then how is it that each of us hears them speaking in his own native language? All right, can we skip to 37? Yep, I know. There we go. They're do they're, they are coming through. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can stop there. Okay, so this is the Holy Spirit comes on them, and... There's a series of things here that kind of tell us what it's like when the Holy Spirit really gets real. And the first thing is, they're overwhelmed. It's, it's like they're swept away. There's this wind and there's this fire in the room. And the people are overwhelmed. It says they're filled. The, 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 word, the sense of the word is, is being completely swept away, overwhelmed, uh, carried away almost. Uh, so much to the point, we didn't read this part, but some people that were listening thought they were drunk. So they actually acted, some of them apparently, like drunk people. Um, they, they were overwhelmed. And the first thing you have to understand is that Jesus' plan is not for you to get a little taste or have a nice, safe, dollop of the Holy Spirit. You know, like stick your little your toe in the shallow end and just maybe wade around a little bit. That's not what he's thinking about. It's like his intention is that you would be overwhelmed, filled, swept away uh, by the Holy Spirit. That you're, you're in such a way that, like, your life will never be the same again. You know, that, that's his intent in giving us the Spirit. And it's a gift. It's like a, it's a privilege. It's a, like a wonderful thing. It's not a terrible thing. It's a wonderful thing. But it's like there's no such thing as a little. It's like it's going to come as a lot. You, you kinda, it's, a, it's a jump in the deep end kind of an experience. Um. And there's all kinds of physical phenomena that comes with it. So there's, of course, in the room, there's this sound. The people are experiencing um, physical things. Uh, some of them maybe are actually acting drunk. You know, there's a, there's a real power that is there when he comes. Now, the second thing here is quite interesting because it's hard... Some aspects of church tradition kind of hide this from us. We don't quite understand what's happening. But it says that they all began speaking in these different languages as they were praising God. So they're praising God. It's prayer that's happening. But they're all of a sudden, they're not praying in their own languages, but they're praying in other people's languages. Which is a very strange miracle to turn up here because it's the only miracle that happens in the New Testament that doesn't happen in the Old. What's happening? Why is that happening? Why that? And the reason is 
It is the beginning of the reversal of the Tower of Babel. It's the sign, it's the sign that says in blazing letters, this is the beginning of Jesus coming back and restoring all things and bringing all people back together. This is the beginning of him taking men and women from every tribe and nation and language and forming out of them one new holy nation unto God, restoring all of humanity that's been divided and split in so many ways back together. And it's like, it's a big signpost of the removal of barriers. Like, you have to understand, this is happening to Jews. You know, Jews who considered everybody who was non-Jew unclean, outside, not apart. And then the Holy Spirit comes, and it's like all wiped away. All the barriers wiped away. You know, when the Holy Spirit comes, one of the first things he always starts doing is removing the barriers between people and reconciling us and opening things up. You know, one of the most amazing things that happened was there was this outpouring of the Spirit in Los Angeles on a street called Azusa Street back in 1906, which is the height, the height of the days in America of the Ku Klux Klan and legalized segregation and, you know, kind of anti-bringing people together. But when this thing broke out, the first thing that started happening, guess what? Black and white and Asian and Latin, all together, men and women, worshiping God together, all the barriers wiped out, just like boom. Like when you're overwhelmed by the Spirit, there's no place for the barriers. The barriers come down. That is a gift, and it's so powerful when it happens. And then there's this repentance thing. He says, you know, repent. There's a repentance that comes when we're overwhelmed by the Spirit. So after this thing happened to me in January 1985, I went back to my little church, and we had a church meeting of everybody in the church, all hundred of us or so. And I said, we've been praying. We've been praying for God to do something in our city and do something in our church. And I said, I think it's going to happen now. And I said, okay, everybody, just stand, just relax. You can open your eyes or close your eyes. And then I invited the Holy Spirit to come. I hadn't figured out yet how to see the Holy Spirit like he did. I didn't, get, I hadn't, didn't have my Holy Spirit glasses yet. But I just kind of followed, you know, and I saw somebody who had a funny look on their face, and I said, well, I'll go with that. And I went and prayed for them, and they fell on the ground. And I was sort of like, whoa, I think I'll do that again. <laughs> Looked for another person with a funny look on their face. And the next thing I know, the, the whole church is on the floor, and people are crying and shaking and, you know, sobbing. And, I mean, the, we were all overwhelmed, just boom, all at once. And then the most amazing thing started to happen. Because this started happening at all our small group meetings, every Sunday meetings, people would, you know, say, pray for me, and they would be touched by the Spirit. And as they were overwhelmed, they, as they experienced these, this sense of the overwhelming power and love of God, they began to confess their sins. Like, 
really confess their sins and repent. And God began to speak to us. It happened to me too. He started showing me all kind of people from my past that I had, I had sort of broken relationships that had never been resolved. And I found myself writing letters because we still wrote letters in those days. <laughs> writing letters to people. And then he started saying, you know, your attitude about women is not really where it needs to be. You know, you, you, you treat them with suspicion and you're treating the Holy Spirit in them with suspicion. Like, you, that has to go. And he just started going through a bunch of stuff like that. And you know what? It happened to me. It happened to all of us. And it was the most sweet time. It, it was like um, uh, floating in a sea of God's mercy. You know, is he's like pointing out things in our life that we never even thought of as wrong. You know, he wasn't like going after things that we already knew were wrong, the things that you would think would be obvious and easy targets. No, he was going after things maybe we'd forgotten about, people we'd forgotten about, relationships we'd forgotten about. But it was all so filled with God's love and his mercy that it was like all we wanted to do. It was just... Um, a true gift of repentance that came with it that made us soft. A couple of years ago, I was in a situation speaking at a university to a seminar kind of thing where they brought in one speaker after another. And I got there, and, the guy, and there was a guy who had been speaking just before I got there who came up to me in the little break in between and said, are you Steve Nicholson? He says, oh, I've been wanting to meet you. And he says, well, what's your name? And, and I said, he said, John Armstrong. Well, I knew several John Armstrongs, one of whom had been a very vocal critic of the vineyard 20 years ago, wrote all kinds of articles against us. And then, so I said, like, which John Armstrong are you? He says, oh, I'm the one that wrote all those nasty things about you guys. But he says, God, God's done something to me, and I, and I want to I talk. And I could, feel, I could sense in him the softness, the sweetness of that kind of repentance thing. I could, I could feel it. I was sort of like, something's happened to him. So I said, yeah, let's have lunch. There's going to be a story here. I want to hear about this story. The story was about how, you know, he became, he kind of was in a legalistic kind of environment and it just got more and more legalistic and more and more negative and, and he started to ask questions and he started to have doubts. And then one Sunday in his Presbyterian church, the guy's like a Presbyterian. I don't Do you know about Presbyterians? You know, like, they love order. Like, everything's order and intellectual. Emotion doesn't really have much place in Presbyterianism, okay? Sort of like, they're an orderly bunch of people. You can count on a Presbyterian. <laughs> you know, you can count on those people. They're very predictable. One Sunday, in the middle of saying the Apostles' Creed in his, in his Presbyterian church, he gets to the line. 
I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, by which they mean not the Roman Catholic Church, but the whole church. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, do you? Just as clear as a bell. Do you? And he went to pieces. The Spirit of God came on him, and he was in the middle of his Presbyterian church, in the middle of the creed, sobbing uncontrollably. His wife had to get him and take him out of the church because he was making a scene. <laughs> he could not drive. He couldn't compose himself to drive. He sobbed all day long. He was completely undone. And he was a different man. And you know what? He's my friend today. That's, that's what this does. And you can't put a price tag on that. That is like what the world needs. Like imagine if that happened to everybody. Imagine if that happened to everybody. What would happen? Our enemies transformed into our friends. Wow. And then it says, they were filled with power. Things started happening. So what should we do? Well, always be watching and listening for the Holy Spirit. Learn how to follow him. You know, if you follow him, you don't have to make things happen. He'll lead the way. I talk about it as learn how to sail. Forget about rowing. You just put up your wind, and he provides the power. Learn how to sail. It's a way better way to live. Open your heart. Open your hearts to him and to each other. Put yourself in that place where he can speak to you, maybe about unresolved relationships, things of the past. And then start taking the next steps, like when he comes, when there's somebody he puts in front of you, somebody with a need, somebody who wants to talk. Just go for it. Just try it. Take the risk. And you'll see wonderful things happen. And your life will never be the same. Amen.